I'm sure we are all ready to worship the Lord. Could I just request that all of you be seated as we begin this afternoon's worship? On this second Sunday of Advent, as we consider the coming of Jesus Christ, we light the candle of peace. For God's word in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 reminds us that Jesus Christ is our peace. He united nations when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace and the fruit of his presence is peace. Let us pray. Father, we pray that in these days of global and interpersonal conflict, you will give us that which Jesus promised, peace that surpasses all understanding. We ask that especially during this season of Advent, that you will empower us to be active peacemakers and that you will constantly guide our feet into the paths of peace. And we ask you to do this for your name's sake. Amen. Let us all rise and prepare our hearts for worship. In Isaiah 40, chapter 1, it says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended and her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. In verse 5 it says, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Indeed, in Christ, God's glory has been revealed, and we have peace through him. Let us sing together, God rest ye merry gentlemen. Merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Certain shepherds brought tidings of the same. How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. The shepherds at those tidings rejoiced much in of feeding in tempest, storm, and wind. 
the day to find. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Now to the Lord sing praises, all you within this place, and with true love and brotherhood, each other now embrace this holy tide of Christmas. All others as we face, oh tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Like to take this time to welcome visitors in our midst. Uh, I've been given two names. One is Darlene Choi. Can we see you? Where are you, Darlene? Darlene Choi. 
She's back there. Uh, she's uh, Effie's sister, so you see the same facial cut there. And together with Darlene is Yvonne Tang, who is Elfie's cousin. You're most welcome this afternoon to, that you, have here, you are here to join us for worship. Now, are there any more of you who have visited us for the first time or maybe just the second time on my left here? Anybody? Anybody else on my right? Well, I guess the rest of us are known to each other. And please don't forget Darlene and Yvonne. After the service, give them a warm hand of welcome and have fellowship with them. Thank you, Eddie. It's a bit of an awkward moment for me when you ask, where are you, darling? Uh, many uh, pastors, I feel, uh, spend all of our ministry trying to figure out how to get people to come, when in fact the New Testament is all about challenging people to go. And times you will see in the New Testament the church giving its best. And we have a couple who have been serving amongst us for several years who are entering a new season in their life in ministry, and they are returning as missionaries to the nations in America. And Doug and Joyce Erdman, I'd like for you to come on up here. And Kim Chang, if you would come. If there's others on the missions team here, I'd love for you to come and stand around them. I would like to ask Doug to share a little bit about their next season in ministry, and then uh, elders, mission calm, if you would gather around them, and then we're going to pray the Lord's blessing upon them. So, Doug, you come in. And... Thank you, Pastor. Well, uh, we arrived in Singapore seven and a half years ago, and we were quite clueless. I remember getting on my first bus and trying to pay for the fare with my $10 bill. And what do you mean you won't cash this $10 bill? You know, the bus driver looking at me. Uh, but I'd like you to know, you know, I've progressed from that point to where I, I actually know how to chope a table at a food court now with a tissue packet. Uh, during this time, actually, God has really blessed the Navigator ministry. We have, uh, we've added close uh, to, uh, uh, well, we've started new ministries, three, uh, several new community ministries, several new campus ministries. Close to half of our staff are new. And in terms of the total number of people in our ministries, is more than doubled. And so we're excited uh, that that's happened with God's help. And we're at the point now where we have the privilege of turning my role over to a local man, a local not only Singaporean, but local GBC man. Uh, you may know this, but uh, Mr. Yap Kim Ming will be my successor as the director of the Navigators. So uh, we're excited about that. We will, as uh, Pastor Bunting said, we will return to the U.S. and move to Colorado Springs, where the U.S. Navigator headquarters is, and uh, take on a national leadership role, helping lead all the U.S. field staff. I do want to thank you on behalf of Joyce and me for the years that we've been at GVC, for the friendships, people, many people extending themselves to us, uh, being gracious to us, for the missions uh, team supporting us, during this time, 
we are just really privileged to have GBC behind us that way. And uh, as, we, uh, as we go, our only regret, we have two regrets, actually. One, we won't get to see the new building, at least right away. But even more so, we won't get to be blessed by Pastor Bunting, uh, his uh, messages. I believe God's hand is really on Ian, and I've told many people that. And I heard someone say just a week or two ago that, you know, once we get the new building and uh, with uh, Pastor Bunting's preaching, this church is going to hit 1,000 right away. So I don't know. No uh, pressure. Maybe she has <laughs> the gift of prophecy. I don't know. But I, I do know that the next time we come back, we're going to call ahead of time to make sure we can get a seat on Sunday morning. Okay? It could be a problem. So thank you so much. Thank you, Brother Doug. And elders, will you come and uh, surround this a couple, we want to pray with them as we send them out. Now, now some of you may think, well, why are we sending missionaries to America? Uh, you, you know God is sovereign and has turned the world of missions upside down. And not many of you may realize, but in America can be found 167 of the most unreached people groups on this planet. And I bless the Lord and feel humbled that God might in some small way use us to send this couple who know about discipling nations deep in him to go to Colorado Springs, I think it is. Well, let's pray for them together, shall we? Uh, Father God, how grateful we are for the lives of Doug and Joyce. How grateful that we are that they are not about building their own personal kingdom, but about pouring themselves out for your glory. God, we ask specifically because you are a God of mercy and of power. You are able to sell an apartment even in this kind of market. So I pray that you would show your mercy to this couple. Help them sell this flat so they can purchase a new home, which will become a lighthouse for their ministry. God, we trust you with these, your servants. You are the one who will go before them. You are the one who promises to be with them, to never leave them, to never forsake them. So we invite you to bless them, to keep them in the center of your counsel. God, may your pleasure continually rest upon their ministry and powerfully equip them, use them to put your name upon the nations that now call America home. We commit them to you with thanksgiving and great expectations. In Jesus' name, amen. The children may now leave for your session. And please enjoy lots of blessing. There are many announcements in our bulletin, but I'd just like to highlight two of them. One is there'll be a baptism service on the 11th. And the second one is after the service this afternoon. We'll be spending time telling you all about how to use this time to have decentralized evangelistic Christmas celebrations. It doesn't mean that it's only meant for those who are organizing the decentralized um, caroling and, you know, uh, evangelistic meetings. But we're talking about every one of us. 
everyone who will want to use this festive season at your own time, your own place, to invite your colleagues or your friends to show them what Christmas is all about. So you want to know how to celebrate Christmas in an evangelistic way and not just eating and drinking. <laughs> Come and stay back and learn how we can use this time to really extend the kingdom of God. Now the ushers will wait on us for our tithes and offerings. Now here's the rain, he reigns, praise name. 
above all names. Prepare Him room. Prepare Him room. Let the King of glory enter in. remain standing as we read scripture together from Colossians chapter 1 verses 19 to 23. Let's read together. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Indeed, if indeed we continue in the faith, as is stated here, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. Jesus, keep me near the cross. Let us pray that we continue to keep in this faith and continue to keep our hearts near the cross of Jesus. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain, free through all the healing stream. Cross 
Thank you, Lutming. I appreciate this brother who has been traveling all week and came here with a heart uh, to meet the Lord this afternoon. So thank you, Lutming, and your team for leading us into the Lord's presence. If you have your Bibles and are not already overly panicked by how detailed the outline is in your ministry guide, uh, join me in Ephesians chapter 2. Um, by the way, uh, we are hoping to have fewer announcements in our worship service, even though um, all of those announcements are referencing opportunities to worship the Lord through our service. We hope you'll bookmark with your smartphone, uh, your computer, the church website, and also take home your ministry guide or your bulletin, because all of those announcements can be with you wherever you go. I want to begin reading this afternoon in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, not the passage that I'm preaching from, but the passage that sets the foundation. Beginning in Ephesians chapter 2, I want to read in verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we also once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, 
And He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved. It is not your own doing. It is through faith and is a gift of God, not a result of your works, so that anyone may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray on behalf of this, your people, that as we have come with hearts and minds full of clutter, that you would open our ears to hear a word from you. Let us how to know how we should live once peace arrives. And let us have that kind of contagious joy. We ask it for your namesake and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you already probably can imagine, we are celebrating the second week of Advent, which is an English word borrowed from Latin adventus. It means the arrival or the coming. And this week we are celebrating the arrival of peace. Now, I don't know if you have ever thought about why it matters even a little bit. Um, by the way, can I thank you for bearing with my Canadian accent? Apparently, it's, it's sometimes challenging to pick me up. Uh, I will um, try and clarify the story of Mrs. Chun. Remember, some of you were there with Mrs. Chun and were wondering, why was pastor preaching to his boys? I wasn't really preaching. I was scolding them for ruining my testimony because the only thing I could imagine, the only possible reason my educated Canadian mind could grasp for idols every single morning being faced down in front of the baby Jesus was that my boys were ruining my missionary testimony. So I made them feel bad about it. This is another Chun Tai Tai story. Uh, about nine months later, this sweet a devout Buddhist woman was still coming to our home. By this time, our youngest was running around, and she was loving on him, refused to let him cry, even though I said, no, we Canadians want our boys to grow up to be strong. This is the way we do it. Put it in the room, turn off the light, close the door, let him cry. <laughs> I want him to know nobody's coming. Stop being a big baby. And so every afternoon, she would get ready to put him down. Before he got there, she would put him in his bed, Walk inside, close the door, then lie on the bed and scratch his back. <laughs> but this um, particular month, everything was different for us living in Taipei uh, because it was noisy. Firecrackers going off all the time. We had a new missionary couple that just arrived in Taipei. They couldn't find a single apartment that was willing to rent to them because it was a particular time of the Chinese calendar, <laughs> ghost month. And nobody uh, was allowed to move because they were afraid. You bring the ghost from your place to my place, then I have problems. And letting off lots of firecrackers because ghosts apparently don't like loud noise, right? So, so I noticed that during this month, uh, Mrs. Chun was making me very nervous. Because remember, she's supposed to go home around between 12 and 12.30. But at 1.30, <clears throat> she was still sitting in our living room. 
just, just sitting there with her hands in her lap. And at 3.30, she was still just sitting there. And I, I said, Tantai, uh, any, any problem? No problem. Yeah, can I help you? No need, no need. Make sure, make sure. Just sitting there. And, and um, I was nervous because I was thinking, I gotta, I, I'm going to have to pay that bill. <laughs> so I, I, I'm shallow. I, you know, I was acting like I was concerned for her. I was really concerned, you know, for the price. She just kept it. Day after day, she would sit there and, until about 7 o'clock, and then finally I would encourage her, please, um, it's so late, it's going to be getting dark, but she's just still sitting there. And finally one day, I just asked her, uh, why are you, are you staying here so late? And then she told me this long story, and I understood about, I don't know, 80% of it. And she told me that her husband, who uh, flew airplanes for the Guomingdong Air Force died 22 years previous. And she has his tablet next to um, the Buddha and, and the red-faced God and, and all the other gods. And I noticed this because um, she wouldn't allow me to take her photograph in front of her altar because she didn't want to be taking a photograph with her husband's ancestral tablet. And, and she told me this story that she was um, standing at the bus stop uh, a year ago during Hungry Ghost Month and her husband was angry with her because she was not sending enough stuff through the fire. And his ghost pushed her in front of the bus. The bus hit her, and she broke her femur. Couldn't work. She even brought me the police report, which I couldn't read. So I trusted her because she was saying, you see, the policeman said, the bus driver said nobody was there except this old woman. She suddenly flew in front of my bus. I couldn't avoid her. So I, I said, well, that's an interesting story, but why are you staying here? She said, because here, I feel it. I'm like, feel what? Peace. And, and, you know, when we're gone, clearly she's talking to the other neighbors in our back compound. Because they started walking in, and after they told me, oh, looking fat, must be very healthy, well, uh, how much you pay for everything, then they would go, de 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 uh, the peace. Okay, so you know what your missionary was doing? I was going in and out of my house. <laughs> Can't feel anything, right? Because I have the luxury of being second generation believer in my family. I was raised, even though I didn't love it, in the shadow of peace. I never knew anything else but peace. And I thought all my friends were just having fun. But, but here's the thing. Why does peace matter in the world? Because the engines of our planet are driven by fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety elects presidents. Fear and anxiety is the thing that causes us to work until 9 p.m. every day. Fear and anxiety is what would cause a beautiful, loving, 73-year-old Buddhist grandma to be anchored to the myths of her ancestors, to be chained. It's fear and anxiety. And, and that is why God, who knows us better than we know ourselves, when he decided to land himself in the first century flesh of a Palestinian baby, his heavenly messengers came shouting, glory to God. 
peace. Peace. And so this Christmas, as we celebrate the second Sunday of Advent, we are to celebrate this arrival of peace. And what does it mean? It means we're to keep on remembering. We're to keep on celebrating, and we're to keep on being built up. First, verses 11 and 12, keep on remembering. Therefore, the Apostle Paul writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and having no God in the world. Now, now first, that conjunction, therefore, is why I read the first ten verses, because that means this section is dependent upon all the previous verses that we read before. In other words, because we are Christ's workmanship, created beforehand by a sovereign God to walk in these good works, remember. In actual fact, that verb is more than just remember. It's keep on remember. We are Christ's workmanship. Therefore, keep on remembering. Remembering what? First, remember, we were Gentiles in the flesh. Remember last week, there's no such biblical word as Gentiles. We've, we've just adopted it from the Latin Bible. The word was, was in the New Testament Greek, ethnikos. Now, now, now let me just um, share what that means. Uh, last week, some of you may have heard that I, I got picked up a football injury, as many of us athletes are prone to do. And um, I, I tore a ligament in my knee. It, I tore my ALL ligament. If you're not a medical person, that's the Aaron Lum ligament. <laughs> Aaron invited me to play, so I'm blaming it on you, Aaron, wherever you are. <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, it, the difficulty about being a man, well, there's several. Let, let me be honest. There's several difficulties about being a man, but the difficult thing I have about being this man is I, I live with a woman who's actually had three babies, and so she has very low tolerance for my pain. <laughs> you know, so I don't want to go to the doctor, but I'm complaining, grunting, groaning all the time. So she said, that's it, we're, we're going to the hospital. So she took me directly from our place to Parkway East Hospital, and you know, you have to register, right? You have to identify yourself. So for us, it's our name, our, our full name, as soon as they see my name, middle name is Bruce, they prefer to call me Bruce and Ian. I don't know why. <laughs> yes, Mr. Bruce, uh, IC number. Then the second thing, I have to put my foreign IC number. And the third thing, I have to identify my Gentile in the flesh, which is all of those categories that you're supposed to circle right after the word race. So I sat there looking at all those categories. And I'm sitting in front of the registration nurse until she says, yes, sir, anything I can help you with. I said, why no human? <laughs> she said, you're not human, uh, Caucasian. <laughs> so, so this is my 
ethnicity. This is my Gentile in the flesh. It's my race. And before the coming of peace, and even outside of Jesus, we are all identified by our race. That's what informs us who we are and what we can be. I'm a Caucasian. I don't have to actually do math. You see, there's stereotypes attached to our Gentile in the flesh. Keep on remembering, before peace came, you were just a race. Different from other races. People spoke of you in pejorative terms. You weren't one of God's people. And then the second thing we keep on remembering is, remember, we were the uncircumcision. And I'll just be honest, in this audience, there is no way I can describe this in a diplomatic way. Because this term was the most pejorative term that Jews would use for any non-Jews. More than just describing the surgery, remember, you were the unclean ones. That's why all converts to Judaism had to undergo full immersion baptism. Before they join us, let them take a bath. Because they're the unhygienic ones. The unclean ones. Remember, GBC, before the coming of peace, we were that. But third, uh, keep on remembering that we were separated. And, and that word that we have translated in English, separated, actually means literally a, a, a huge gap, a gaping chasm. Now, now maybe that you know, erects in your mind this, this vision of the bridge illustration, right? That we sometimes want to share the gospel with our friends and we do this big, um, you know, cliff and then we draw a little man on that side and, and then we do another big cliff and then we have God on that side and then we say, you see, we're always trying to get across, but, but you know what's fascinating to me about this passage? The Apostle Paul is, is not saying, keep on remembering you used to be on the other side of that gaping chasm. Because you know what, if you're on one side or the other, even if you're on the wrong side, at least you still have some options. But, but actually what the Apostle Paul literally says in this passage is keep on remembering that gaping chasm, that's the space you used to occupy. If you're on one side, you'd have some options. But the man who's in the middle of that gaping chasm only has one option and that's down with hands flailing and voice screaming. Keep on remembering, that's how desperate a situation you were in. And fourth, he says, keep on remembering, you were alienated from the commonwealth. Singapore, are we not a part of the British commonwealth? If you were to look up commonwealth in the dictionary, now this was surprising to me because being from Canada, we are also from a part of the British Commonwealth. And, and I always thought those of us who didn't have UK in our name existed for the general benefit of those who had UK in their name. But in actual fact, a Commonwealth 
is a community that exists to promote the welfare, general good, and advantage of all members in the community. The Apostle Paul says, keep on remembering when you were outside of that. that there was no mutual benefit before peace came. Before peace came, there wasn't a community for greater good. You were absolutely separate from that. And then five, remember. Keep on remembering GBC because the reason this is important, by the way, is we have a reputation. Can I I just be honest with you? Because I I love to do my own personal research and ask people, uh, what do you think of Christians? You know, 27 years in Asia, I never heard anyone point to a Muslim and say, look at that guy, and he calls himself a good Muslim. I've never heard anyone complain about Buddhists and say, those Buddhist hypocrites, but Christians, you and me, somehow we are going through life as if we've forgotten that before peace came, We were outside the commonwealth. We were flailing about in the gaping chasm. We were just simply races separated. And so we've got to remember, five, keep on remembering, we were strangers to the covenants of promise. That that means we had no spiritual inheritance. You know what the truth is about inheritance? How many of you, you your parents are still alive? What, you think I'm going to trick you? I, do, I don't know. I don't know if I want to admit it or not. <laughs> well, I thought Singaporeans are confident. How many of you have parents who are alive? Uh, do you thank the Lord every day you have parents who are still alive? Here's the good news about having parents that are still alive. Even though they're alive, you're still spending your inheritance. You're still enjoying their inheritance. Sometimes when we think about the inheritance, yes, you do have parents who are still alive. Sometimes when we think about inheritance in Christ, we're thinking, oh, one day when I die, I'll enjoy the inheritance. But no, the inheritance comes the moment peace comes. Because one part of the inheritance is peace. This is how I got cheap rent in Malaysia. I could rent a semi-D at a road junction. You go any Tama in Malaysia, always open. Nobody wants to rent. Oh, Feng Shui, very bad. Huh? Feng Shui, bad, but Feng Jing is good. <laughs> right? So we, we could rent any floor because peace follows us. It's a part of our inheritance. Remember, GBC, you used to be just like everyone else, tormented with fear. Pursued by anxiety. Remember there was a time that you were strangers to the covenant of promises that God gave to his own people. And then finally, keep on remembering that we, just like everyone else in this world, one time we were without hope. First candle is the hope candle. Before hope arrived, we were without it. There was a time when we were without hope or without God. The Greek word is atheos. In in Canada, that's a very popular religion. Right? A lot of my Canadian friends living in Vancouver say, Oh, you're a religious guy? 
you realize this is the 21st century, right? I'm an atheist. And, and the thing about this word is it doesn't just mean I don't believe in God. What it literally means is I am without God. Do you understand why the nations in the Old Testament were terrified by the people of Israel? It's not because they had some secret weapons technology. It's because they had a God, a mighty, powerful, creator God who went before them. He, not they, but he struck terror into all those who would try to slaughter his people. At one time, before peace came, I was without him. And all I had was my talents. Not intimidating. But second, we're not just to keep on remembering. We're to keep on celebrating. Now, you heard me right, GBC. I love you, and that's why I'm telling you this. You do not celebrate God's goodness in you enough. We are called when peace arrives to keep on celebrating. Verse 13 says this, but now in Christ Jesus, we used to be without God, without hope. We used to be without a designation as a part of a family with a zero spiritual heritage. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We're to keep on celebrating. Strangers have been brought near by his blood, not by our acts of righteousness. I came to Jesus with nothing. GBC, you know why we're on missions? It's not because he needs our help. That's not why. We come to him with nothing. Even my repentance was a gift he gave to me. We are no better than any person who is not here this morning. That's why I celebrate. I celebrate not I have some religious achievement. I celebrate because of his grace. How did mercy notice me? How does mercy notice you? That is worth celebrating. Verses 14 and 15 says, For he himself is our peace. It's not that we've got some magic negotiating skills. It's that he came and his name is peace. He who has made us both one has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law and the commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create for himself one new man in place of two. You know how many of their, of GBCers are right here in this room? I think if we keep counting them, we average there's one. He has brought us all separate peoples with different cultures, and he is making us one. The walls that divided us have been broken down, not by our good nature, but in his flesh. That's why the moment he said it is finished, that that curtain, that wall that separated the glory of God, His holiness from all of humanity was torn in two. That was done in Christ's flesh. 
verse 16 says this, that He might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. Literally, He slaughtered. This is an aggressive, proactive word. He slaughtered hostility. Now, do you, do you get that the human way is to slaughter humanity for the sake of our hostility, but God's way is on the cross through the flesh of Christ by His blood, He slaughtered hostility for the sake of humanity. And finally, in verses 17 through 22, uh, this challenge, keep on being built up. Now, I know this is challenging in the Western and in the Singaporean culture because we want to know, uh, Pastor, you're new here. How are you going to build up the body of Christ at GBC? Um, the elders are always being criticized. Why? Because we want to know what they're going to do to build up God's church. Here's the thing we better understand. This verb is passive. That means we are not building ourselves up. It is His work that is together building us up. All that's being asked of us is maintain your shape while He puts us together as one construct, one body. This is what He says in verses 20. 1 through 22, you are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ is the very cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for the Lord. You're a dwelling place for God in His Spirit. It's not a different person, this Spirit. It is the Spirit of Christ. Do you see what is so amazing? The best we can do in humanity is gather families and form them into nations. But what God is doing in His world when He comes as peace is He gathers nations into families into His family. It is a work that He has completed on the cross. It's not because we're clever. It's not because we're spiritually intuitive. It's not because we're seekers. It's because He is a seeker. And He came as peace. Now, just two things I want to modify because I grew up in Canada and Canadians are impacted by the most powerful force in our universe. And of course, I'm not talking about God, I'm talking about America. And America is the center of the culture of independence and autonomy. And so we typically grow up and we hear these terms, you are a temple of God. I'm like, whoa, look at me. You know, I am the space God occupies. (laughs) 
And um, I'm independent and autonomous. But do you understand that what he's saying is we are all together being built up to be his holy temple. That word temple is like a cell, a room in a holy place. God is building all of us up together. It's not just he's building me to be a temple. He's building all of us together to be a holy temple, a residential palace for the most high king of creation. And then secondly, it's not just a temple he's building. It's a, it's a heritage temple. I, I went on the, the website and I looked it up on the National Heritage Board of Singapore. Did you know you had a National Heritage Board? I think you probably know you've got a board for everything. This is why it's so orderly and great. This is why so many Westerners love to live here. <laughs> I looked it up. The National Heritage Board of Singapore exists to foster nationhood, promote identity building, and champion the development of a vibral, or sorry, vibrant cultural and heritage sector in Singapore. Do you realize that he is building us up, not just to be a temple, but a temple built upon our spiritual identity. Here is what he is doing. Here is our heritage, GBC. And please, it's not Baptist. We are being built up on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. John was not a Baptist. He was a baptizer. Which, by the way, would have got you slaughtered under a King James reign. But he was not a Baptist. Our heritage is built on that foundation of apostles and prophets. And, and I know this is going to be a little awkward for us. But the prophets were men and, yes, women who said, this is the word of the Lord. The apostles were men and women who took the word of the Lord to nations and thereby saw the glory of God making nations his family. That is our heritage. And that's why mission is not just a part of what we do. It is why we exist. Because if Ian Button has already confessed his sins, if I already have my inheritance in God, I already have my passport for heaven, why would I stay here if not for the mission of God? That is our heritage. And one more thing, Jesus, he is the cornerstone. Now, if you're like me, I grew up with the Western or British colonial buildings, and they all have a cornerstone, but I didn't realize it was different than this cornerstone that, that Paul is talking about, because our cornerstones are always about eye view, right? And, and they're on the corner, but they're eye view, and they're hollow. We put stuff in it, and it's supposed to, you know, stay there like a time capsule for 100 years. And then at some point, we pull it out and say, oh, how interesting. Like a, 100 years from now, somebody will pull out of, you know, GBC's cornerstone. They'll open it up and say, iPhone 7, who would use this piece of stuff? You know, that kind of thing. That's the kind of cornerstones I'm used to. But, but the cornerstone that they're referring to in this passage was not built on top of the foundation. The cornerstone was the first stone 
of the foundation. And above all other stones, most attention was given to this first stone. It was higher and longer and shaped with absolute precision. Why? Because the laying of that cornerstone and the shape of that cornerstone determined the shape of the entire building and the stability of it. If the cornerstone is misshapen or or flawed, eventually the whole building will fall down. It is the most critical piece. And that's why Jesus is called the chief cornerstone. He is our heritage. He gives shape to all that we long to be, GBC. It is him. And so we should understand when Jesus said in in Matthew 21, actually he was quoting the psalmist in Psalm 118. Have you never read in the scriptures? Jesus said in verses 42 and 43 of Matthew 21. Have you never heard that the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? Why do you think nation builders despised Jesus? It wasn't because he, he was not beautiful. He's irresistible. What they despised was the shape that he was creating with his shape. It, it was a, a shape that would crush the ambitions of human dictators. It, it, it was a shape that bankrupts all the plans of religious leaders and puts them out of business. It was a a shape that interferes with the expansion of global powers. So do not think the world loves the peace that comes during Advent. He ruins everything. The global engines of this planet are fueled by hostility. They're fueled by anxiety. Now, now some of you are old enough, you're thinking, surely, Pastor, that doesn't make sense to me. Have you not heard of John Lennon? All we are saying is, you know, give peace a chance. You know, aren't, doesn't every Miss Universe say, my ambition is world peace? Isn't that the Jesus answer at beauty contest? contest? Isn't that true, Pastor? Well, um, I don't know if you um, are interested in history, but World War I was uh, the most horrific war Western nations had ever experienced. But on December 24th, 1914, just five months into that war, in the dark part of winter, something amazing happened. Peace. Unexpectedly, came upon soldiers, nestled down in trenches. In fact, I'd just like to watch you to watch this clip really quickly. Jenkins, open. No.
Otto. Pleased to meet you, Otto. Freut mich. Rose, she's called. Um, it's schön. Um, it's schön. Obviously, a commercial made by a shopping store. Um, did, I wonder, did you find that moving? It's a true story. And I, I've watched that clip dozens of times. But here's what is the truth of that story. As moving as we may find the arrival at peace in the middle of wartime. The British... High command wasn't moved. In fact, they issued immediate strict orders for all such behavior to cease immediately. Because they, you know, they feared these guys get together and they might look at another human being and, and the Gentile, the flesh, might suddenly not matter. And they, they might think that God might desire to bring them together in one family, singing the same hymns of praise to the one who comes in peace. And this order was immediately sent out to all commanding officers. Spontaneous, informal truces with the enemy is to cease immediately. 
any officer or non-commissioned officer found to have initiated one will be trialed by court-martial. And, and following that order, this war lasted another three years, 11 months, and 11 million men lost their lives. That's the price of human peace. 11 million souls. An American president somehow tried to make it feel a bit better, and so he coined the term, this is the war to end all wars. But of course it wasn't. In fact, by the time 1939 came along and my dad had to lie to get into the Canadian military and fight in Germany, there was war inflation. You know, war inflation. Eight million Germans lost their lives. Six million Jews. Twenty-one million Russians. Ten million Chinese civilians. Plus three million soldiers. That's the price, the scandalous price of human heresy. But at Christmas, God's people are to be reminded that he who came, came as peace. The price of peace slaughters not humanity, but slaughters hostility for the sake of humanity. Peace comes to bring men together, join nations into his family. It's the kind of peace that slaughters hostility, that tears down all that divides us, the kind of peace that brings strangers together. You have a Canadian pastor, you should call me brother. He did that. It wasn't your pastor search team that made Canadians and Singaporeans family. It's the one who comes as peace. He's the kind of price paid that we remember when we come to the Lord's table. And before we separate as one family, I would like for you to bow together with me as we prepare to celebrate this second Sunday of Advent, the God who came, His name was Peace. The one who brings strangers near, who eliminates race, who defines us by His grace, not our skin or hair color. The one who defeated hostility, who slaughtered division. That's who we remember when we come to the table. You know, in that first Lord's Supper, the 5,000 weren't there. It was just Jesus' closest followers. And even then, everyone had to ask this soul-wrenching question, Lord, is it I? Have, have I betrayed you, the Prince of Peace? Have I denied you, 
And so traditionally we come together as many nations made one family and we examine our hearts. And I want to say to you, if in your heart the Spirit suddenly reveals in your life you've betrayed Him, you've shamed Him, you've grieved Him, whatever, now is the time not to run out and do your deed, but say, Lord, forgive me. You don't need to raise your hand and let a pastor know just right where you're at, even when you don't know how to ask for what you truly need. He knows how to answer your heart cry. Father God, we come to your table now full of wonder and with a fresh determination to keep on remembering that we used to be separated. We used to be defined by ethnicity and strangers and aliens to the promise outside of the family. But because you are our peace, by your son's blood, you brought mercy. In his flesh, you tore down walls. And on that cross, you slaughtered hostility. So we might fully embrace you who are our peace. We love you. We celebrate your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. To celebrate the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ for us, the church. So we invite Christians who have been baptized to join us in the Lord's Supper. And for our friends who are visiting with us, please take this time to observe and reflect on the significance of the Lord's Supper. On the night before his death, our Lord Jesus Christ gathered with his disciples in the upper room to eat the Passover meal. Jesus took this, the Passover meal, and he transformed it into a meal with new meaning when he instructed his disciples to drink of the cup and eat of the bread in remembrance of his death on their behalf. Matthew 26 Uh, Chapter 26, verse 26 to 29 records Jesus' words for us. And reading from the New Living Translation, this is what it says. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and His people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus put in place the Lord's Supper as a visible reminder of what He has done for the church that he died on the cross as a sacrifice and poured out his blood so that sinners like you and me can receive forgiveness of sins. 
The Lord's Supper also reminds us that Jesus Christ will come back again, that we will one day drink wine with Jesus Christ in our Father's kingdom. As we celebrate this season of Advent, recalling Jesus Christ's birth in history and looking forward to Jesus Christ coming back again. So we celebrate the Lord's Supper, looking forward also to the wedding feast of the Lamb when Jesus Christ comes back again for us. The Lord's Supper then is a foretaste of that glorious promise event that is to come. So let us pray and give thanks for the Lord's Supper. Father God, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for Jesus' death on the cross that serves as a sacrifice for us so that our sins are forgiven. As we take the Lord's Supper, help us to remember and be thankful for this good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Help us also to live confident and with hope that Jesus Christ is coming back again for us. In Christ's name, Amen. Reading again from Matthew chapter 26, verse 26, Scripture reminds us, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. And then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples saying, take this and eat it, for this is my body. my soul arise shake off thy guilty fears the bleeding sacrifice in my behalf before the throne my surety stands before the throne my surety stands my name is written on his hands. My name is written on his hands.
This is the body of Christ broken for us. Take and eat. Do this in memory of Him. again from Matthew chapter 26 verse 27 to 29 scripture again reminds us and he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it he gave it to them and said each of you drink from it this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many mark my words I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Five bleeding wounds he bears Received on Calvary They poured effectual prayers They strongly plead for me Forgive him, oh, forgive, they cry Forgive him, oh, forgive, they cry Nor let that ransom sin
This is the blood of the new covenant established by Jesus Christ. Take and drink. Do this in memory of him. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for the Lord's Supper and this reminder of what Jesus Christ has done for us. God, we thank you that our sins are forgiven, that in Christ we have been reconciled with you, that we can call you Father and have been adopted into your family, that we have new brothers and sisters in Christ, that we have been joined as one body to one another. We ask that we might be thankful in the light of this good news and to conduct our lives worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that may we exalt and praise Jesus Christ with our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let us rise as we sing our song of response. Hark the herald angel sings, Glory to the newborn King, peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners are reconciled. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled Joyful all the nations Join the triumph of the skies With angelic hosts proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold Him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hailed incarnate deity. As man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Come, desire of nations, come. Fix in us thy humble home Rise the woman's conquering seed Bruise in us the serpent's head Adam's likeness now he face Stand thine image in its place Second Adam from above Reinstate us in thy love Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn
in standing for the benediction. And now may the love of God our Father, the peace that comes only from our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, the constant companion of the Holy Spirit, be our portion now, henceforth, until our dear Lord comes again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated.